Amen. It's great to be with you guys. It's always fun. You really sense the um, joy and the freedom. You know, after, after a lot of bondage with darkness and things, it's so nice um, for us to experience the, the release and the relief and the rest and the peace. And that's what I get to talk about today is Jesus, our haven of peace. So um, turn to Luke 2, would you? I wanted to mention that um, we have a Christmas devotional that I wrote about 15, well, you know, it's been being written for like 30 years because you do a lot of Christmas messages and um, after a while, they're short messages and so you want people to enjoy Christmas in the fullest way as the Bible shares what his coming meant. And um, so anyway, it came together and I actually have a whole new um, presentation of it in a book that my son Riley, uh, who helped plant this church, it was Justin, Nick and Riley and a bunch of other people together from our Bible college. So. Anyway, he, he's put out a new one, but I wasn't able to get it um, yet. But we've got a bunch of them over there just inside the door on the left against the um, glass. And um, there's no charge for it. But um, if you want to donate, there's a little basket there. People say it's, they estimate it's worth like 10 bucks, but it's not a charge. So, um, yeah, if you want one, you can take one. All right. Luke chapter 2. So we're talking, uh, Nick, can you, or can someone help me open this, cause, um, or get it up a little bit higher? There we go. Thanks, brother. Oh, that's right, you're my son, but anyway. We call each other brother. So Advent Sunday, it's, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Now, Advent is a word that means arrival. Arrival of someone prominent. Or the appearance. But it's not just an appearance and then gone. But it's arrival of a prominent person. That's Jesus. He's very prominent. But he had a very humble appearance. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through, let's go 1 through 18. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed, some say, for the census. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went. To be registered, everyone. You know, that's the whole Roman world, which was basically the whole world, almost. 
at that point. When Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards people. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. We'll go a couple more. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart or in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. You know, there's a lot of confusing ideas about God. A lot of harsh ideas about who God might be. A lot of of weak ideas about who God is, but definitely confusing There are so many different thoughts about God. But there's also a huge hunger to know God if he's knowable. To find out who he is. And God sent Jesus to clear up the confusion. And he did. All you have to do is zero in on this God, who is called the Word, also called the only begotten Son, or the only begotten God, to get the confusion cleared up. But you must have an open mind and an open heart, because there are so many ideas that are so kooky and so like we said, confusing. You know, years ago, there was a TV show called Kids Say the Darndest Things. This is before your time, I'm sure. How many have actually seen one of those? Yeah, it was, it was great. Kids saw, see, say 
the darndest things, and they have this host named Art Linkletter, right? And he would, he would have the kids do something at each episode, and then he would go around and interview them, and they would indeed say the darndest things. For example, one day in the studio, all the kids were assigned a, a project, just draw whatever you want. You can draw anything on that piece of paper. Just draw whatever you want. So then Art was going around, and, and he said, hey, young man, what is that you're drawing? It's kind of interesting. And, and the young, set, young man said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And Art goes, well, no one has really seen God, and, and so no one really knows what God looks like. The young man said, they will when I get done. You know, that's true. God, it's desired that you know him. We fell away from him as humans. Our forefathers, all the way back, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God who made them and who made it all. And he warned them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of evil and good. And then the devil lied to them and said, well, God knows if you eat that, you'll become like him. You'll know as much as him. Look at me, you know. <laughs> he was lying. That's why there's a lot of confusion and a lot of, a lot of wrong ideas about God. But Jesus came to show us who God is. Our forefathers fell. But before that happened, we know in Genesis 1-1 it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Talks about the waters on the earth being all in an uproar. And, and, and God seemingly was doing like a bit of a recreation because there was a fall, actually, of the angels. And Revelation 12, 9 says, a third of them were pulled down by Lucifer. And they rebelled. A third of the angels. They became dark and demonic. But two-thirds remained faithful to God. And then God created man. And woman, the serpent lied. They fell. God loved them. And when he was issuing judgment upon the serpent, he told the serpent that your seed, that third of the angels, they will bruise his heel when he comes. But the seed of the woman That's Jesus, you see. The only man that was born other than the handcrafted breathe into Adam and Eve. The only other man that was not born in the natural way by a man and a woman was the seed of the woman that was immaculately conceived by the Holy Spirit. God became a man 
became human. And God told the servant, he will crush your head. It was a prophecy saying God was going to save us from the darkness that we had swallowed. The fall that we all have. All of us have fallen natures. But yet Jesus came to redeem us. And so in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Even before all creation, the word was with God, word being Jesus. And the word was God. So the Father was there, Jesus, the word, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Bible teaches about God. It's a triune God. Three distinct persons, but one substance who is God. That's something you must believe. You need to believe. Because God sent Jesus to bring us back to him and to pay the price for him. It's interesting because as I said, people want to experience God. And even Jesus' disciples, like Philip, he asked Jesus one day, Lord, show us the Father. And that's, all, that's enough. Just show us God the Father. And Jesus said to Philip that day, have I been with you so long? And haven't you known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Because again, they are in perfect union and they are perfectly God. God looks exactly like Jesus, in case you wondered. They're of the same nature and essence, yet three distinct and important persons. Now, Jesus was sent by God to bring us salvation. And the birth of Jesus, it says here, was happened at Rome's, during the reign of Rome's greatest emperor, which was Caesar Augustus. And it was said about him that he changed Rome from a city of brick to a city of marble. People were so impressed by this guy, they called him Augustus. Augustus means his reverence or of the gods. And a lot of times you find in, in nations that they view people as so high, they are, they are like gods, you know. Or they're senior devils, uh, you know. Depends on your politics, I guess. And there's always debate. But this man who thought he was a god was only a man. And yeah, he had a plan and he told people to go to the city of their lineage, their heritage, and register because he was a tax and spend kind of a king, you know? There's a lot of those. But Caesar's program was a minor issue. Just to get Mary to Bethlehem. Why? Because 750 years before, Jesus was born in that stable. 750 years before, Micah had given a prophecy and said, but you, Bethlehem, 
Ephrata, too small to even be numbered by the peoples of Israel. In other words, Bethlehem wasn't even on the map. It was such a dinky town. But from you, Bethlehem, one will go forth whose goings forth have been from the days of eternity. In other words, he's already lived forever. But now he's coming to Bethlehem where the word became flesh. The word who was God, who was with God, who was with the Holy Spirit. The word became flesh. And we beheld his glory, the, on, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, no one has seen God at any time. Art Linkletter was right in a certain sense. But the only begotten God. Have you ever read that scripture? John 1.18, the only begotten God. He has explained him. You know what the word for explained is there in Greek? It's the word exegesis. You know what pastors do like Justin and Nick? These guys are really good spokesmen and they exegete or expound the Bible. Jesus did that with his life. Everything in his life said this is what God is like. This is the God who loves you. He sent me to be a love sacrifice to wash away all your wrongs because he's never sinned and he could bear all of ours. And so God's plan was to get married to Bethlehem. And yeah, by the way, right at that time she came to term. And she gave birth. And verse 7 tells us, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I never knew what swaddling clothes were. I, I was a little kid when I was reading these stories, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I go, swaddling? That's not something you really use as a name too much until, until we started having kids, and little Nick came out, and he was all wild and crazy, you know, they all are. Their arms are all in, like this, you know. And they're just, they're all nervous and they don't want to go to sleep because they don't know what to do with their hands and their arms. So you have to swaddle them in swathing clothes. It was a custom for moms, especially in the Orient, that they would wrap their baby in swaddling clothes. And that's what settled them down. How many have done this? You've wrapped them up so they can't even move their arms. And they're like, okay, I'm going to sleep now. You know, really? It's awesome. Like Anna does with Henry. You guys know Henry? Hey, get to know Henry. He's on the rise. That guy is the cutest thing I've ever seen. And we have seven girl grandkids. This guy's just super duper cute. Five boy Grandkids of 12 and all. It's very biblical. <laughs> we just love that little guy, man. So he swaddled. They swaddled Jesus. But it's interesting. The same practice of swathing or swaddling was done to wrap up the body of a dead person. Swathing them. 
putting strips of cloth and making them look like a mummy, which they are when they die. I remember our little kids when we wrapped them up in their blankies. They looked like little mummies when they were sleeping. But think about Jesus, the little baby, swaddled in linen cloths. Dear Jesus, who was born eventually mainly to die and to be wrapped again in swaddling clothes, in grave clothes, swaddled in death. But those swaddling grave clothes in his death could never hold him or keep him from rising again. And it's really interesting when Peter and John, you read the story about them coming to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. They saw the linen grave cloths lying there vacant in the tomb as if someone had just, and someone had, could not keep Jesus down over a period of 40 days. He appeared at least 14 different times to more than 520 or 30 people, eyewitnesses that he came to crush the devil's head. He who got our forefathers to eat the forbidden fruit and to know evil. And therefore, like God had said, on that day you will die. Their bodies began to die. And while they lived a long time back then, they died. And every person has died since. But Jesus conquered death. On the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain. You know, this world's pretty dark. But in him was life, a new life. And the life was the light of men. You know, God breathed the breath of life into Adam. And that's when he came alive. And he made a pretty good creature there. You know, out of the dirt. Pretty amazing. And, whew, huh, hey, hi, hi, God, you know. Sweet. But once Jesus rose again, he went to his disciples and breathed on them and said, now receive the Holy Spirit. Be reborn to a new person. I'm going to make you a new person because I got great plans for you. He loves us. And Jesus rose and John knew. He rose. He rose again. Now, the first witnesses of the Messiah in the human race were shepherds. And it says in verse 8, they were watching over their flocks by night. You know, and night was a time of, of great vulnerability. Not only was it dark and cold and, and all of that, but nocturnal predators, predators were there to, to go after their sheep, their lambs. And they were watching them that night quietly as the, the lambs were sleeping, hopefully, 
And then all of a sudden, this angel appears. Whoa! And then a whole choir of angels appears. They're like, wow. Let's go see this thing. And then they go and they see Jesus, just as they said in verse uh, 9. It says, let's do 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. But in verse 9, behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. But they realized this is the one who is to be born. Laid in a manger? That's a rock carved out to feed cows and sheep and horses. Slobbery place. But that's where Jesus was laid. They were like, wow. They were shepherds. But when the Lord is your shepherd, he's watching over you at night. He's watching over you in the night seasons and the daytime. When you're hiding things and when you can't hide things. When you're in such need, you're hungry. He's the bread. He wants you to come and rest and receive his peace. He wants you to know that peace. Peace and goodwill towards men. You know, Joseph and Mary, they had a hard ride down from Nazareth. That's an 80-mile ride on a donkey for her. And Joseph was walking. And Jesus inside Mary's getting a bumpy ride. It could have induced pre-labor you know but it didn't because God's with you in the darkest and the hardest times the Lord is with us he's going to help us he knows his plan he has peace to bring you know the night that Jesus was born was a night of incredible peace do you know that for the first time politically almost the entire world had no war in it As far as the empire, the Roman Empire, up until that time, there had been these terrible ethnic fightings and tribes and nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, people against people, on and on and on. But at that time, Rome's power had grown and matured to the point where they were able to settle it down. And it was a time of peace. Only later, when Herod hearing from the wise men who didn't report back because he didn't want any ruler to come and take his place. And so he sent people to go kill all the babies in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. There's always some sick, cruel, self-absorbed, prideful person you know, we all struggle with stuff like that. We want to be significant. But you become significant when you become a child of God. Having been separated from God, you're rejoined by Jesus. Rejoined. It's so good. In fact, do you know the word peace means to be joined with God? That's what the word means in the Bible. 
It's the word for to be joined, but in almost every case, it's being joined back with God and having peace. And here were lowly shepherds in the stillness of the night, out in the quiet fields. You know, this is probably one reason why they were chosen as the first witnesses, humanly speaking. Why? Because they took time to be quiet. To just, to be there and do their job, but get people to sleep, and then they didn't have a lot going on. And they're not all busy with the latest thing. And God came with his message through the angel unto you is born this night in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know what? We'd have a lot more peace. Dear friend, you will have a lot more peace if you weren't so busy. If we weren't so caught up in the things we have to do or we want to do. And we don't even take hardly much time in our schedule for the most important thing. And I'm talking to believers too. Because this is the key to enjoying the peace. God wants you to have his peace. The Bible says, therefore, having been justified by faith when you trust Jesus, you have peace with God through him, through whom we have obtained our access by faith into this grace. Romans 5, 2 says, the grace that he gives you, he starts pouring in his grace. You know, it's like discovering a rich uncle in a certain way, and he wants to keep doling it out for you because you, you have a lot of needs, man. You know, I'm 73, and I've never sensed a greater need for Jesus. You'd think I would have grown a little bit, but you never grow out of needing more of Christ. In fact, we're going to cross over eventually, all of us, and there's a natural fear of death. But when the one who conquered death for you as your Savior comes and ministers his peace, you know where you're going, man. You have not only peace, but you have hope. And the Lord wants you to enjoy that hope. Think of the slaves in America as they were out in their fields growing tobacco, growing whatever else, cotton, so people can have cool clothes. But they're out there slaving it away. And they're mistreated because no human should be a slave to another human. Only the servant of God. That's the best way to live. And then being a servant to your spouse, for example, to your children, to your church body, to the people on the street who need help. Yeah, there's that. But no one should be a slave like we've had in our country. 
But you know what? So many of them came to Jesus and they began to write spiritual songs and Christmas carols. You know, the only Christmas carol written in America of the popular ones from the past? Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. Come on. Then over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Forget it. We're going to get it anyway. Why? Because their lives are changed. Now they're alive. They have the worst of conditions, and it's wrong. And thankfully, we're learning some things. Not the way the woke crowd is portraying it. But I would like to say this. Way back in the turn of the 19th century is kind of where wokeness happened. And with a, originally with a lot of the people, it was when they were awakened by the Holy Spirit to draw close to God and, and be what he wanted. But now it's been twisted by the enemy again. You're really awake and you're really at rest when Jesus, you sense his presence because he's promised. And he's given you access. And I just want to end with this, you guys. What time is it, by the way? I'll see if I'm done. I think I'm almost done. Yikes, I got three minutes. Okay, good. I'll take seven. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, you have obtained access by faith when you put your faith in Jesus. You will be changed. What is access? It's the word that was used for a harbor. It was the word that was used for a haven. That they found rest. They came behind the breakwater. And no longer were they, were they in this storm anymore, but now they're in the calm, comforting relationship that only God can give you. It's nice to have wonderful friends and a family like this, but Jesus is the ultimate. No matter where you're at, even if no one's with you, he can help you. He can bring you through that. You need that. I need that. You know, one time, I, I, I've had a lot of friends that have had boats, and I've gotten, you know, I've never owned a boat, but I've gotten rides with people that had nice boats, and one was a sailboat, and it was this guy who had married his sweetheart, and, and they wanted to take Kathy and I out on the boat, and I was just beginning to date Kathy at the time. And they said, oh, it's going to be such a great time, man. It's going to be so peaceful and so just so much pleasure. We're going to see some cool things. No, there's no weather scheduled at all. But God schedules weather. <laughs> right? I mean, weathermen can study it, but they're like, what happened? Like a couple of weeks back when it snowed, right? That might happen again. Whatever. Well, we went out. And we were having a good time, but then all of a sudden, seriously, a terrible storm came in on Puget Sound. And so we're out there, and we're getting shaken around, and I mean, water's pouring. I mean, waves are coming over this boat. It was a pretty small sailboat, and we thought we were going to capsize. You know, we're going out there for a sweet time, and we get killed and drowned. That's what we thought. And then to top it all off, 
I got sick. I got seasick and started barfing. I was going, you know, and, and they were saying it was going to be a rom romantic time. Kathy didn't feel it was romantic at that point. But then we went behind the harbor, and it was nice. We actually stayed overnight. The storm blew over. We woke up the next morning sunny. The harbor was awesome. That's what happens. That's what it's like spiritually, okay? Life is not perfect. Life is not like that. But being with Jesus is like that. No matter what it's like, he can put his hand on your heart or his hand on your mind and go, don't let the enemy defeat or discourage you right now because I'm with you. I am with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And that's why in the Bible, Psalm, it says, be still and know that I am God. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have that relationship. Do you have that? Do you have it in an active way? A closeness, a friendship, where you have admission into the good seats, like front row. That's one of the beauties about Jesus Christ. He brings every one of his children right into the front row with God. It's true. But we have to truly put our trust in him and let him show himself. In fact, the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of his grace. Grace is like undeserved love. You know, we, we have the word charis. Charis, it means grace. It's, it means charity. I'm glad I'm a charity case of the Lord. He gives to charities, you know. The Lord, if it weren't for Jesus, this world would be sick, even sicker than it is. But through Christ, that's what we need. Unto us, a child was born. Isaiah said, unto us, a son was given as a sacrifice. And his name is called Full of Wonders a counselor, the prince of peace, the father of eternity. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. He wants to be that for you. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for these dear people. Lord, thank you for the hunger and thirst that we have within our hearts, within our thoughts, and I pray that you'd help people, Lord. Take advantage of this moment and some of these words that have somehow spoken. Help them now to act on those words, to trust you. Because you are so faithful, you never 
violate our trust. Thank you. If you're here today while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one looking around, and you think to yourself, I, I want a close relationship with the knowable God because Jesus is introducing us to him to know and to walk with our Father and our Savior through his Holy Spirit. If you say, I need that, while their heads are bad, would you just raise your hand and say, I want that kind of relationship with God. Raise your hand. Amen, amen, amen. You say, pray for me, yes. Anybody else? You want to give it over, yes. God bless you. God bless all of you. God bless you down front. God bless you. God bless you, sir, in the back. Just say this prayer with me, would you? Just a simple prayer from your heart. Just silently to him say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sins so that I can be completely forgiven. I receive you as my Savior, the one who redeems me, who gives my life meaning now. And Lord, help me to take you as my Lord because you know best, Father. Earthly fathers fail, but you never do. Help us forgive and help us obey you now as our Lord. And then just say to him, Jesus, thank you for answering me. Fill me with your spirit. Let's all stand and sing this song of praise to God, knowing that he is answering our prayer right now.